Empress of Blandings Productions presents radio's newest detective, Jack Cassidy, P.I., and her thrilling adventures in Hard Boiled. I don't know, Sarge. This theater is giving me the creeps. You buy this story about a ghost, eh, Jones? Well, maybe not a ghost, but that don't mean there ain't something sneaking around in the dark. The call we got said they saw somebody crawling in through the window, didn't it? Pipe down a little, will ya? Well, theaters are always a little spooky after the lights go out, don't you think? I tell you, I said to my wife when we heard about all this, I said... Jones, did you see that? What? Oh, jeepers. I told you there was somebody back here. Yeah, but given that he's dangling by his neck, I'd say he ain't been doing any creeping around for a good while. Who's back there? Police, come out with your hands up. All right, all right, Sergeant. They're up. You can put away the bean shooters, boys. I promise not to plug you. Jack. You know this dame, Sarge? Unfortunately. Officer Jones, this is Jack Cassidy, P.I., a local flatfoot with a talent for getting in the way of things. Charmed. Are you working on a case back here or something? Case? No, sir. I was taking a pleasant stroll in the bowels of a supposedly haunted theater at one o'clock in the morning. Just for the hell of it. Don't crack wise, Jack. We found you back here standing practically on top of a stiff. I'd like to hear a bit of an explanation. Sorry, Sarge. Just trying to alleviate the tension with some pleasant banter. I don't know too much more about who's responsible for this than you do, but I'll be glad to lay out what I do know. I am, as your colleague surmised, here on behalf of a client. A celebrity client, as a matter of fact. Ever heard of La Signora Bianca Carmaschiano? Nope. Widely regarded as Europe's finest dramatic coloratura soprano? Dubbed the finest Violetta the century has yet seen by the New York Times opera critic? Created a sensation last November with her virtuosic performance as Conagin der Nacht at the Palais Garnier? You must know that doesn't clear things up. Hey, wait. Carmesciano. That's the dame whose name was on the marquee outside. boy, officer. That's using the little gray cells. Well, this morning my secretary received a call from La Signora herself. She's in town this week on a North American tour, and she found my name in the directory. Sopranos, as I understand it, aren't known for their phlegmatic temperaments. But Signora Comiscana was in quite a flap, even by soprano standards. Jack, Cassidy Detective Agency! Hello. Yes, I have immediate and urgent need of a private detective. My very life is in peril. Gosh, well, that sounds bad, doesn't it? What seems to be the trouble? I am being persecuted, sabotaged, hunted. Oh, it's dreadful, dreadful. They haunt me by night. They torment me by day. And you think uh, they are trying to kill you? At least to destroy my career, which is worse. Are you able to send the finest detective at your establishment to the Strand Theater, prontissimo? Our finest detective? Sure, we'll send over the cream of the crop right away. Can I get your name? I am La Signora Bianca Carmesiano. No doubt you've heard of me. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I've had the pleasure. La Signora Bianca Carmesiano? Widely regarded as Europe's finest dramatic color to a soprano? Of the finest Violetta this century has yet seen by the New York Times opera critic? Created a sensation last November with my virtuosic performance as De König in der Nacht at the Palace Garnier. Oh, that, Bianca Carmaschiano. Okay, the best woman we got is on her way. Jack! 
I hurried down Jasper Avenue to the Strand Theater, and I found two stagehands sweeping the front sidewalk. One of them was short and fat and shifty-looking, and the other was tall and thin and shifty-looking. And as far as I could tell, they were busily moving the dust in circles without making the slightest difference to the dirtiness of the pavement. Excuse me, gentlemen. Do you know where I could find Bianca Camaschiano? Who wants to know? Yeah, who wants to know? The name's Jack Cassidy. She asked me to step over here. Jack Cassidy? You some kind of private dick or something? Oh, don't be stupid, Sid. You ain't never seen a dick who was a doll before, have you? Ah, uh, you must be the detective. That's me. Uh, how do you do? My name is Alexander Entwistle. I'm the manager of the Strand Theater. Uh, please, step inside. See, I told you. Times they are a-changing. Well, if that don't beat all... What did she go and hire a dick for, eh? Those two goons out there belong to you? Hmm? Uh, they work here, if that's what you mean. New hires, I believe. They don't seem to have many virtues as stagehands, but I haven't had a moment to worry about that sort of thing in all the chaos. Chaos? <sighs> I suppose Signora Camascano spoke with you? Yeah, said something about her life being in danger. Oh, yes, I'm sure she did. That's what she's been saying to all the papers. You've heard of Bianca Carmascano before now, I suppose? Well, the buzz is she's widely regarded as Europe's finest dramatic coloratura soprano. Quite right. We were very fortunate that she chose this theater on her Canadian tour for two nights. She could have drawn crowds to a dozen other venues across the prairies. Old William Livingston, the manager of the palace in Calgary, <laughs> he would have given his eye teeth to have her. But this is her only performance between Toronto and Vancouver. We are extremely lucky. Indeed, I find myself obliged, Miss Casty, to frequently remind myself how very lucky we were. Sometimes it's easy to forget. So, is her life in danger? Good heavens, no. That's all nonsense. But she has convinced herself... Artwistle! Oh, dear. Artwistle, another calamity! It seems that now... <laughs> the detective. How'd you do, ma'am? The name's Jack Cassidy. Uh, can you tell me what exactly- Oh, Miss Cassidy, how can I even begin to describe what I've suffered since I arrived in this town? Signora, as I keep telling you, we've made every effort to ensure- I could never have imagined, never have believed it possible, when I agreed to perform here on my North American tour, that this seemingly charming little theater would turn out to be haunted. Uh, I'm sorry, ma'am. Did you say haunted? La Signora Carmascano believes that the Strand Theater is infested with ghosts who are determined to sabotage her performance. I see. Mr. Antwistle has proven himself to be a skeptic, but I've seen things since I began rehearsing yesterday that can only be explained by the presence of malevolent spirits. Theaters, you know, are apt to draw such creatures. I've seen it many times in my career. Sure. Uh, any of them drop a chandelier on you? I am able to pay you very well indeed, Miss Cassidy. If you'd prefer to be ironical at my expense, you need not accept my money. Uh, no, no, uh, I'd be delighted to take it, Signora. It's been years since I had a good ghost case. Uh, what's been happening around here that makes you think you might have a ghost infestation? Oh, any number of things. Strange clattering and moaning in the walls, furniture being thrown about, cracked mirrors, slamming doors, the disappearance of my accompanist. Nothing I sat down is where I leave it, and just now I discovered the piano is slowly and supernaturally being silenced. Hold on. Did you say the disappearance of your accompanist? There's a whole missing human being? Signora, just because Sam hasn't turned up to rehearsal yet this morning doesn't mean he was kidnapped by ghosts. I think it's highly probable that he just overslept. Never! 
He would never do such a thing to me. Oversleep, indeed, when he knows what such a disturbance in the routine of rehearsal would do to my nerves. Well, well, what about everything else? Have you and your employees been hearing these strange noises? Well, yes, I'll admit there have been some odd creaks and things, but most likely just the wind. And the broken mirrors? A clumsy janitor, perhaps. And the furniture in my dressing room being tossed every which way? And the moaning? And the screaming? You think all of this is the wind, you absurd little man? You say you just found something wrong with your piano, too? Come here, let me show you. You see? I'm afraid I'd hardly call one missing note evidence of demonic handiwork. It is another straw on the back of the camel, yet another disaster calculated to ruin my performance. I ask you, detective, have you ever heard Der Hulle Rache, accompanied by a piano without an A? Um... Signora, I promise we'll have the piano fixed by tomorrow night. There's nothing whatever for you to worry about. I don't know, Mr. Antwistle. Perhaps it would be best to cancel the performance. Signora, please, you can't do that. I most certainly can. I did not expect to face such catastrophes here. Perhaps, after all, I would have been better off in Calgary. Oh, now, never say that. I know Mr. Livingston was dreadfully disappointed when I refused his kind offer. Well, of course, everyone says Calgary is a city devoid of artistic sensibility. And Edmonton, of course, I knew, was likewise a cultural wasteland. Signora! But I had heard that you were trying, trying to create art to become something greater than just a a mere pimple on the face of the prairies. And now I found that not only are your managers immune to the understandings of the delicate needs of the great artists, but your theaters are full of malicious spirits who stuck its holes at night. You ever seen one of these spirits? Of course not. They only come out at night to smash my mirrors and leave my effects in disarray. Suppose I uh, spend the night here patrolling the place. Maybe I can catch whatever's haunting this place in the act and uh, convince them to leave you alone for your performance tonight. Oh, could you? Would you really? Of course. Um, I'll need my fee in advance, though. New policy. Of course, of course. Let me get my checkbook. This building's barely 20 years old. Who the devil does she think would be haunting it? In all seriousness, Mr. Entwistle, is it possible something human is trying to sabotage her? I think it's unlikely in the extreme. You said you had heard strange noises, didn't you? And the furniture's been rearranged, and someone smashed her mirror. My dear girl, there's a dozen plausible explanations for all that. None of which includes a nefarious plot to undermine her performance, and certainly not ghosts. Don't you believe she's suffering as a result of any of this? She's exulting in every moment of it. She gave elaborate interviews to the journal and the bulletin this morning, detailing all the evidence that my theater is overrun by ghosts. Seems to me that might not be such a bad thing for ticket sales. Unless she cancels the performance and obliges me to refund 3,200 disgruntled opera lovers. What about this uh, accompanist? Sam? Well, he was supposed to show up here at nine this morning, but it's only noon. The senora herself didn't deign to appear here until 10.30. I don't see anything especially suspicious in a musician sleeping through a morning rehearsal. Anyway, she was in a towering temper with him yesterday. They had a raging fight over some wrong chord he'd played, supposedly, and they ended the rehearsal screaming at each other. I wouldn't be surprised if he's at home sulking. And you can't think of anyone who might have a grudge against her. You met the woman, Miss Cassidy. Everyone who's worked with her so far could cheerfully throttle her. But hatching an elaborate plot to make the theater seem haunted? No. Surely not. Well, I'll check things out tonight. Even if I just need to scold a janitor for breaking mirrors, that'll be something, eh? 
I returned to the theater that night, uh, earlier this evening, I should say, Sarge, armed with a gun, a flashlight, and a bologna sandwich and thermos of coffee my secretary insisted I take with me. Mr. Entwistle greeted me at the door, passed off the keys, and wished me luck. But for the first few hours, it didn't seem like I needed it. The strand was dark and silent, and as I walked through the hallways, I didn't see any evidence of ghost, ghoul, or goblin, malicious or otherwise. Then, at about one o'clock in the morning, I was sitting in the auditorium in the dark, nibbling my baloney, when I heard a voice cry out from behind the curtain. Holy smokes! And another voice immediately shushed it. Shut up, you dip! But, Sid, just look! I see it, but if you don't shut your trap, the cops will be here in a minute to look at it along with us. After that, they unhelpfully dropped their voices to whispers, so I crept closer and crouched in the shadow of the stage to listen. I don't know about this, Sid. I really don't know about this. Just don't blow your wig over it, okay, Harry? But this ain't good, Sid. I know it ain't good, but there's no sense in getting all worked up about it. We was just supposed to scare the dame a little, that's all. I didn't sign on for nobody getting scragged. Hey, you think I'm happy about this? You think I was keen on finding a stiff dangling from the ceiling? You know how I am about blood, Harry. Oh, there ain't any blood. Sure, but once people start getting scragged, we're that much more likely to find ourselves in a situation where there is blood, aren't we? Do we know for sure someone came and dusted him off? I mean, he could have done it to himself, couldn't he? Maybe. Working for a dame like that might make anyone want to give himself a permanent necktie. He's buying himself neckties? I meant top himself, Harry, and I think you could have figured that one out from context. Oh, Jeepers, Sid, do you, do you think we drove him to it? What? You mean because he was so scared? Nah, only that dizzy canary bird believed we was real ghosts anyway. Well, if she wasn't spooked before, she sure will be now. Oh, now what do we do? Uh, blow the joint and not come back? Nah, that'll only make us look suspicious. I say we show up to work tomorrow like nothing's wrong and act real shocked when we find out what happened. And then maybe we quits? Yeah. After that, we scram. I don't want to stick around and see if this gets any uglier. Come on, let's go. Through the back window again? Of course. Now everybody's talking about this place being haunted. We can't be seen waltzing through the front doors now, can we? I crept over to where Harry and Sid had been standing and looked up. What I should have seen was the weights that counterbalanced the curtain. What I saw instead was a pair of feet dangling above me in the dark. I carefully went over to raise the curtain, and, slowly, down came the feet. Attached to them, as you might have guessed, Sarge, was a body, and that more or less brings me up to where you stumbled in. Should I go see if I can catch up with those two thugs, sir? No. They said they'd be back tomorrow, didn't they? Anyways, I know where to find them if they don't turn up. You do? Sure. You said Sid and Harry, right, Jack? You know them? They're more generally known as Slippery Sid and Horseface Harry. Yeah, I stumbled across a few rackets that they've run in the past. They're small-time operators, and they're not very good at it. I guess they found ghosting is more fun than grifting. Apparently, but they're not very good at that either. We got a call from a civilian who saw them creeping in through the back window and thought it seemed suspicious. That's why we came down here. What about the body, Jack? Who is it? Uh, who was it, I should say? Never had the pleasure of his acquaintance. But if I had to guess, I'd say this here would be Sam, La Senora's late accompanist. Well, I say late. 
She told me this morning that he's usually very punctual, goes to bed at nine every night and gets to rehearsal before anyone else the next morning. That's why she thought it was so strange that they never heard from him all day long. So you think he showed up this morning, bright and early, while the theater was still empty, and... Got himself strangled? Yep. You know what they say, Sarge. Early to rise and early to bed makes a man healthy, wealthy, and dead. Hang on. How do you know he was murdered? Take a look at the neck, officer. Someone strangled him from behind, then tied him up to the rope so the body would lower the next time they raised the curtain. They would have found it earlier today, but Carmeschiano refused to do any rehearsing. She took the day off to soothe her nerves. Christ, she's right. He was garroted with some kind of metal cord or a... Piano wire. Middle A, to be exact. The thrilling adventures of Jack Cassidy will return in a moment. But first, we'd like to share some important information with you. Located right on White Ave and just off Gateway is a historic building that houses dozens of local Albertan artists. The Old Strathcona Arts Emporium is a space that welcomes anyone who wants to showcase their art with affordable rates and retail support. Inside, you will find that it has become home to painters, photographers, crafters, jewelers, furniture artists, upcyclers, and makers of all kinds. Within the first 60 days of being open, 50 artists have signed up to be a part of this market-style, open six days a week emporium, and more sign up every day. It is a magical place. The artists that sign up can feel it right when they walk in. And folks, they can't wait to share that magic with you. There is truly something for everyone in the old Strathcona Arts Emporium. And new artists move in every Monday. See you there soon. If you're enjoying this tale of horror, haunting, and harmony, please take a moment to subscribe to Hard Boiled to make sure that you don't miss out on the next thrilling installment. And while you're at it, why not leave a rating and maybe a friendly review on the platform where you're enjoying this program? Unless, of course, you aren't enjoying the program. In which case, keep your feelings to yourself. We now return you to the episode in progress. A Natural Death. I returned to my office in the wee hours of the morning, where Effie found me sitting at my desk, smoking and thinking things over when she arrived at nine. I related to her the events of the evening. And what happened? Well, we called in the meat wagon to cart off poor Sam, the accompanist, and I rang up Entwistle to tell him what happened. I told him I'd meet him at the theater to help break the news to Carmesciano around 11 this morning. Gee, strangled with a piano wire. That's a new one, huh? I'd say. Don't suppose I could convince you to go home and take a nap between now and 11? Eh? Well, I assume you've been sitting here swilling stale coffee since you got back from the theater. You must be exhausted. You're an angel to think of it, but there's nothing more unprivate eye than taking a wee nap. Clients only take me seriously when I have dark circles under my eyes. Well, what did your private eye brain come up with as it stewed here at 5 a.m.? My private eye brain is still formulating theories. I'd like to talk to Slippery Sid and Horseface Harry before I come to any solid conclusions. And to La Senora as well. It's certain that those two gangsters didn't do it? Well, they certainly seem to have been responsible for the haunting, but apparently not the corpse. What about the opera singer? Didn't you say she fought with her accompanist the day before? Yes, she did. Entwistle told me more about it this morning. Said La Senora was screaming threats and abuse at Sam for throwing off her cadenza or something. Apparently, she told him he would live to regret the day he plotted at her humiliation. Well, there's your suspect. She's certainly tempestuous. But garroting a man in cold blood for playing a wrong note in rehearsal? Music people take music very seriously. Anyway, who else could it have been? If it had just been a shooting or something, I'd say maybe Sam had gotten into trouble with some unsavory characters since arriving in town. 
but hanging him from the curtain in a supposedly haunted theater seems a little excessive, doesn't it? How many tickets do you think it'll sell? Come again? Well, the Strand's been struggling to fill seats for a few years now, what with the economy and everything, and this murder is already in all the morning papers. You think that's what'll pull the Strand out of a slump? Come to a theater where a man was hanged? Publicity is publicity, Jacqueline. Don't call me Jacqueline. Lesson yours performances were sold out already. But what about whoever performs there next? And whoever performs there after that? And they show movies too. I bet all kinds of people would want to go see The Brain Snatcher or The Walking Dead. You know that new Karloff flick? In a theater where somebody was actually murdered. You could be right. Of course I'm right. When Jimmy and I saw Camille at the Strand, it was barely half full. Jimmy? Oh, uh, yes, the boyfriend. Uh, How was your evening with him? I forgot to ask. It was okay, I guess. Jimmy said afterwards he thinks Garbo is overrated. Did you ever hear of such a thing? Garbo? Overrated? I know! I don't know if I'll let him take me out again after that. Shame. Well, I think I'll hop out and get some breakfast at the Silk Hat before I head over to the Strand. If Entwistle or Cormaschiano call, tell them I'm on my way, would you? Sure. Hey, Jack. Yeah? Do most private detectives discuss their cases with their secretaries? I mean, earlier you were complaining about me putting my oar in. Well, you cracked the case on your own last week. With a little more practice in this business, maybe you could learn not to announce as much to the murderer while you're alone with him and he has a gun. Don't be silly, Jack. I'm going to keep antagonizing murderers all I want. I know perfectly well you'll always come bursting in to rescue me. Of course I will. Well, see ya. I was supposed to be there to break the news to La Senora, but judging from the sound of the conversation coming from behind Entwistle's office door when I arrived, that milk had already been spilt. An outrage! A horror! A catastrophe! Ghost sabotage! Now murder! Senora, please, I know it's upsetting, but you really- Upsetting? It's a calamity! My performance is ruined! Ruined! Yes? Who is it? It's me, Mr. Entwistle. Cassidy. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Come in. Come in. You? It was you who found him? Yes, ma'am, it was. You never met him, did you? Not in life, no. Well, if you had, you'd know it's just the sort of thing he would do. Get himself murdered immediately before performance! (laughs) I, uh, I really don't know how to respond to that. Signora Camisciano, is this a friend of yours? Oh, yes. I beg your pardon, Mr. Livingston. This is, um, Jane Cassidy, the private detective I hired when all this began. It's Jack. Miss Cassidy, this is Mr. William Livingston. He happened to be in Edmonton and was kind enough to step up to the Strand to offer his condolences when he heard of the tragedy. How do you do, Mr. Livingston? Are you, uh... Mr. Livingston is the manager of the Palace Theatre in Calgary. He has come to offer to be helpful in any way that he can. I do not, of course, wish to intrude on the aftermath of such a tragic event, but if my proposition is at all amenable to you, Signora? I must say it is an extremely tempting proposal, Mr. Livingston. I could not possibly perform here at the Strand after what has recurred. Signora, I I must urge you in the strongest possible terms to reconsider. Think of all the Edmontonians you'd be disappointing. Enough, Mr. Antwistle. It is quite impossible. Had I accepted Mr. Livingston's very generous offer in the first place, none of this would have happened. As it is, I can only belatedly attempt to rectify my mistake. 
What mistake is that? I believe I told you yesterday that I originally turned down the offer to perform in Calgary at the Palace Theatre. Instead, Mr. Livingston, having heard of the haunting taking place here at the Strand, motored up yesterday to see if he could persuade me to return with him and perform at his establishment. Initially, I turned him down, but after what took place last night... Signora, please... Since the story in the newspaper this morning, the box office has been flooded with calls from patrons concerned about your well-being and eager to see if any tickets were still available. Uh, We could extend your run, uh, introduce standing room. Uh, You can't possibly abandon us now. I can and I will, Mr. Auntwistle. I don't suppose you've taken a close look at all the terms my contract recently? I suppose it allows you to withdraw without any penalties, but but please, if you'll just consider... Consider, forsooth! In light of recent events and the clear impossibility of performing at your house of horrors, I will require the payment of my fee in full. What? But, but, Signora... In full, Aunt Whistle, or you'll be hearing from my lawyers. Good day to you. Well, I'm dreadfully sorry about this, old man. All the same... What do you expect if you run your theater along such lines? (laughs) Better luck next time you try to latch on to some star power, eh? I don't think I've ever heard anyone use the word forsooth in a sentence before. It's all very well for you, Miss Cassidy. You haven't just lost a cool $15,000. Surely not that much. Once I've refunded two nights of a sold-out house and paid the senora her exorbitant fee, yes, at least that much. Oh, that Livingston must be loving this. Old rival? Ever since he opened, he's been trying to prove Calgary is the culturally superior city. And we've always hated each other. He was apoplectic when he failed to secure the senora, and now he's got her and I might very well be ruined in the process. Oh, this is awful. I, I must just be the unluckiest person in Edmonton. Well, barring the man who was strangled and hanged from a curtain. Oh, nonsense. His troubles were over and done with in 30 seconds. And that senora, she's all right. She successfully doubled her profits and trebled her publicity. No, I'm the one who's really suffering here, Miss Cassidy. I wish you'd never found that damned body. Come again? If you hadn't seen him hanging there, he might never have been found. The senora would have paid me to provide a new accompanist, and her performance would have continued as scheduled. Uh... I'm sorry, I... I'm sorry. I'm upset and I'm not thinking clearly. Mr. Enwistle, this is for the best. If I hadn't found the body, it would have appeared in front of the audience when the curtain rose at the performance, and you'd have had to refund everybody and cancel the performance anyway. And surely that would have... Miss Cassidy? You look as though you've just realized something. I... Excuse me, Mr. Entwistle. Uh, we was told to come straight up to your office when we got in this morning. Uh, we was awful upset to hear about the murder, Mr. Entwistle. It came as a real shock to us. Yeah, we was real shocked. Oh, it, sure, it sure took us by surprise. A real whammy. Y- yeah, uh, turn up for the books. You boys just wait right here, won't you? I have to make a quick phone call to someone who'd like to speak with you. Mr. Entwistle, would you mind if I had a brief chat with these gentlemen while you call our friend McGregor? Certainly. Have all the chats you'd like. That McGregor wouldn't be a Sergeant McGregor, would it? (laughs) Do you know the Sarge? No. Not what we call knowing, exactly. (laughs) Maybe we might have bumped into him. Here or there. You know the way you do bump into people. Yeah, cocktail parties and things. Look, boys, suppose you simplify matters by giving me the name of your boss as quickly as possible. Boss? 
Uh, Mr. Entwistle is our boss. Yeah, we work here at the Strand. We're stagehands. Uh, we sweep and, you know, dust. And pretend to be ghosts, too? Does Mr. Entwistle pay you for that? Okay, look, Lady, maybe we did do a little moaning in the walls and things here and there. Just a harmless prank, you know? But we don't know nothing about the body. Yeah, we didn't kill nobody. Oh, I know you didn't. Your thing about blood. My thing? Damn it, Harry, I told you I heard someone sneaking around the auditorium last night. Oh, you? You're always hearing something. Who paid you to do that moaning in the walls? We don't know. Work with me, boys. McGregor will be here any minute. Honest, we don't. We never met him, and he never told us his name. But it was a him. Yeah, it sounded like a him anyway. You spoke to him? Over the phone. We'd call him and tell him about the hauntings we did that day, and then he'd wire us the money. Well, did you give the operator a name? Nah, uh, we used a dial phone. Uh, he told us to always call his number directly. Uh, what's the number? I don't remember. Uh, do you, Sid? I don't know that I do. We have it written down somewhere. What did he say the last time you spoke with him? He was kind of annoyed, wasn't he, Harry? Yeah, we called him day before yesterday, and he said we obviously wasn't very convincing his ghosts. And we said, yes, we was. We've been spooking 11 daylights out of that dame. Yeah, uh, sometimes we would groan so loud we'd even scare each other. <laughs> Ain't that right, Sid? <laughs> yeah, and when we slammed all those doors. And the broken mirror? Oh, she never saw that coming. But he didn't <laughs> think it was enough. Nope, that's what he told us. Yeah, and, and then he said, uh, oh, what was it he said? He said not to call him for a few days because he wouldn't be available. And then he said something about taking matters into his own hands. Yeah, that was it. Excuse me. Oh, detective. Signora and Mr. Livingston. Nice to see you again. Entwistle will be glad to see you're interested in renegotiating. I am not interested in any such thing. Mr. Livingston and I have been standing on the street trying to flag a taxi to take us to his hotel where we can discuss terms. But apparently it is impossible to do anything so metropolitan as flag a taxi in this godforsaken town. We have returned to make use of a telephone. Of course, of course. Before you do that, Signora, do you mind if I ask you one quick question? I suppose. Uh, you said you'd been in touch with Mr. Livingston before all this happened, right? Yes, he was very upset when I refused his generous offer, and he gave me his personal number to reach him if I ever changed my mind. I really don't see what this has to do with anything, miss. If you'll excuse us, the signora and I are in a bit of a hurry. Sure, sure. A personal number, eh? Quite a luxury. Not everyone has one. He is an important man in charge of an important institution, Miss Cassidy. I'm sure he finds it very useful in his business dealings. Oh, I'm sure he does. Senora, you wouldn't happen to remember the number he gave you offhand, would you? I'm sure that's not necessary. His telephone number? I believe it was M7280. That's it! M7280! And that's the number for the man who hired us! Hey, wait a minute. You... you imbeciles! Hey, whoa! Take it easy! You bungled it! Everything was going perfectly. Oh, they found the body a little early, but it would have worked out. And then you... you have to open your fat mouths! Mr. Livingston! All right, here they are, Sergeant. What's going on? Sergeant, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Livingston, theater magnate, opera fan, and 
murderer. <gasps> what, Livingston? You can't be serious. His theater was struggling in the economic climate just like yours, Mr. Entwistle. La Signora was the star who could have saved it. And when you got her instead... He turned to murder? Well, first ghosts, then murder. Of course, of course. I mistrusted you from the first, Mr. Livingston. How could you have imagined you'd get away with such a thing? I would have gotten away with it, you crack-brained coloratura. I damn near did, if I hadn't been such an idiot as to depend on the help of two... Two... Imbeciles? Gangsters? Edmontonians. She's pretty good, isn't she? Uh, if you like that sort of thing. You don't? Well, maybe it'll grow on me. Have you got the program? What's this one called? Ah, yes, here. This one's from something called a, a Kakosi Fan Toot. Any idea what it means? Um, they're all like that, I think. Yes, I know, but what does it mean? Good evening, ladies. Enjoying the performance? Oh, yes, Mr. Entwistle. Uh, yes, very much. Thank you again for offering me these seats. Don't mention it. It's the least I could do after you saved my performance and got my main rival arrested for murder. Well, he got himself arrested for murder by committing murder. A technicality, my dear girl. Uh, if you'd like any tickets in the future for films, vaudeville, live recordings of radio, you just let me know, won't you? Well, thank you very much, Mr. Entwistle. Not at all, not at all. Uh, well, uh, do enjoy the show. Oh, thank you. Payment in full from the Signora, and free movie tickets from Entwistle? Try to get more clients who don't turn out to be murderers, won't you? I'll do my best. Uh, and say, F, if you ever want to avail yourself of that offer to come see a movie with Jimmy or something. Oh, I don't think I will. Not with Jimmy, anyway. Maybe with Albert. Albert? He's taking me out to dinner tomorrow night. He seems very nice. Oh, well, yes. Let me know if I can get tickets for you and Albert. This episode of Hard Boiled featured the voices of Karis Backstrom as Jack Cassidy, Lauren Hughes as Effie Strambitsky, Murray Farnell as Sergeant McGregor, Amanda Smith as La Signora Bianca Carmaschiano, Rory Turner as Slippery Sid, William Livingston, and Officer Jones, and Michael Vetch as Horseface Harry, Alexander Entwistle, and as always, your announcer. Hard Boiled is written and directed by Celia Taylor and edited and produced by Tegan Sagansky with an original score and sound design by Dave Clark. Hard Boiled is presented in association with the Edmonton Pride Center and with the support of the Edmonton Heritage Council, the Edmonton Community Foundation, and the Edmonton Arts Council. Tune in next week when we'll return with another thrilling installment of Hard Boiled. <laughs>